Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find the pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for for the sheep. The 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 herd hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a herd hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They will, they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay, lie down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lie it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This, this command I received from my father. So hi, as Matthew said, I am Amy Sawyer and I'm the Creative Arts Fellow here at Christ City. I really have a heart for incorporating art into worship and also supporting the artists in our community. So if you ever want to go to a poetry reading or an art show somewhere in the neighborhood, email me and I will happily be your date. Uh, We are continuing to walk through John and we arrived at the passage where Jesus refers to himself as the Good Shepherd, as you saw beautifully illustrated by Kids City. Wasn't that awesome? That was so awesome. Uh, Today, in lieu of a traditional sermon, We've invited some storytellers from our community to illuminate the scripture for us. If this is your first Sunday here, welcome. Um, Note that this is not our typical format, but it is deeply embedded in who we are as a church. Um, It is in our DNA to tell stories. We believe that God communicates with each and every person. Sharing your unique perspective, sharing God through your eyes, sharing your voice is a gift. I think as a society, we kind of get that. We've heard that a lot. Um, The one thing I think we're less good at is hearing, is listening. Um, So as you are, as the storytellers come up this morning, I want it to be an act of holy listening as well to to hold these stories. Um, 
and I want the storytellers to be heard. I think that's a really powerful thing, uh, just to imagine being heard in your story and as these storytellers come up. Uh, and I want us to imagine being a church that listens. Artists connected to the Holy Spirit give us another way, another approach to the throne of God. Art can unify us, despite differences in denomination, education, class, race, age, gender, and background. Art can draw us closer to the center, which is Jesus. To tell the story of Jesus, we can use visual arts, poetry, spoken word, music, dance, textiles, pretty much anything. The church I went to growing up had a puppet ministry, so really anything is fair game. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is alive in you, and because of that, you are invited to be an artist, a creator, and a storyteller in this world and in the church. Today, you're also called to be a poet. And I promise that's not as scary as it seems. Um, We're going to write a collective or collaborative poem uh, so you can also participate in the act of storytelling. You're not passengers on this voyage. You are the crew. Um, And we're going to shut the door so no one flees because they heard that they have to write poetry. Um, So please find on on your chairs, there's a note card and a pen. Unless my son was sitting in your chair and someone has drawn a Nintendo board for you, uh, if you need a clean one, if it's not on your chair, please raise your hand and our hospitality team will get you a card or if you need a a pen, grab one from an empty chair next to you. um, So I'll give a second just to make sure everyone has a card. Okay, poets. You have heard the passage from John about the Good Shepherd. Jesus often speaks in metaphors to give his followers physical images of spiritual concepts so they can understand, or try to anyway. We can open that up a bit to our context in trying to understand what Jesus means by the Good Shepherd. In verse 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters in me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. In verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So on your card, I want you to write one image, one concrete thing you can touch or feel or taste or smell or hear uh, to complete this sentence. The good shepherd is like blank. So I want you to fill in that blank. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to do this, and then I will, we will collect the cards, and they'll remain totally anonymous. So feel free to put what you're actually thinking out there. And then I will use a selection of your images to create a collaborative poem that will be read at the end of the service today. So maybe to you, the Good Shepherd is like your grandma, who will welcome you home on Thanksgiving with your favorite sweet potatoes. Or maybe to you is like Google Maps, So you never, or at least rarely, get lost. But it's also okay to express doubts, or hurt, or pain. So maybe to you, the Good Shepherd is like a coworker who never remembers your name. Okay, poets, it is time to get to work. Um, I'm gonna give you two minutes to write and fill in the sentence, the Good Shepherd is like. Play some music, and I'll come back. If that was hard, that's okay. We're just practicing expressing our creativity, and this is just a a way to do that and create a response to the word that God has given us. So thank you so much for boldly joining our storytellers this morning. Um, I'm going to pray over our four storytellers as we continue worshiping together. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak through JR, Sarah, Emma, and Nicole this morning. I pray for a boldness of spirit and a sense of your presence. May we be a church that listens. I know you try to listen to the Good Shepherd's voice. And he actually loves you enough to give you freedom and choice. Now, I can't fool you forever, but just long enough to make that baggage you carry just a little more tough. Now, believe it or not, I want to be good and I want to do right. I envy that security the sheep have in the light. But the wrong way is faster. The shortcut is fun. His way requires patience, of which I have none. Why won't you fight for me? What will I do? Truth, in six weeks I'm ghost. I won't even talk to you. I won't protect you from jackals. I won't even remember your name. And let's be honest, a part of you knew that when we started this game. For the shepherd, he is good. The shepherd is kind. The shepherd is the one that has what's best for you in mind. I'm really bad at being good. But today, I'm not going to lie. If it comes down to me and you, no question, goodbye. Now, hearing me say this, it sounds bad, it's true, and you're asking yourself now, well, exactly who are you? Oh, me? I am the robber. I am a thief. I am the one who brings sorrow and grief. I am the wolf who sneaks around the gate. I climb over the fence and put you on my plate. Undercover agent in the hen house, the fox. Words sweeter than honey whenever I talks. I kill, steal, and destroy. I flex and I flaunt. I'm the honey badger bee. I takes what I want. Ooh, but I'm also your friend. I'm also your brother. I'm your ex, current side piece, and future lover. It's funny because it's true. That, that favorite professor that you've ever had, your uncle, your nephew, your baby, your dad. Not a creeper in the bushes or a rando in the crowd, but a confidant with whom you hang and are proud. I am all of these people. I am all of these things. Battery-powered halo and fake angel wings. Am I worried you'll disown me after all you've heard? Please, you'll wake up tomorrow and not remember a word. I'm counting on it. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus said these words to a people living under the weight of Roman military occupation. The Jewish people ached for redemption. They awaited delivery from a Messiah they envisioned as a powerful king. Instead, Jesus spoke in parables and metaphors. He was a shepherd who spoke of sacrificing his life for the sake of his flock. Over 2,000 years later, Modern-day Palestine is again under the weight of a military occupation. It's people awaiting delivery from an elusive peace process and envisioning a strong leader to facilitate it. 
bringing redemption to the narrative of the people and the land. Instead, Jesus continues to call his people to pursue nonviolence, to love their enemy, to turn the other cheek. He calls for creative peacemaking in various forms. It is a call to plant trees where they have been uprooted. It is a call to build under the threat of demolition. It is a call to run where walls have been built to prevent freedom of movement. Article 13 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights states, everyone has the right to freedom of movement and residence within the borders of each state. The course of the Palestine Marathon, which runs alongside the 25-foot-high Israeli separation wall, through two refugee camps and along Bethlehem's main roads, is intended to demonstrate the restrictions Palestinians face in their daily movement. When running along this course, I join mothers pushing strollers, participants in wheelchairs, and athletes of all ages excited to be taking part in a creative act of civil resistance. We even have to stop to allow for a shepherd herding a sheep across the road. When running here, the simple act of placing one foot in front of the other with a purpose and destination in mind takes on new meaning on this course in the town of Jesus' birth where daily oppression and restriction of movement is ever-present. In such a place, what does it mean to have life to the full? Where is the story of redemption here? Perhaps the story begins and continues, however small it may seem, with stories such as this one, annually hosting a race to run along an ugly separation wall until one day it is pulled down by people on either side of it. Being present in the story of this race is a contribution to a much larger narrative. It is a narrative of our collective human right to movement, of the power of civil resistance and nonviolence, of the holiness of standing up to injustice alongside the oppressed with a clear and resounding no. Being part of such a story recognizes the shared belief within this community that we are contributing not only to changing the present conditions, but working towards a future in which the huge physical wall we face together will one day come down. That more peaceful dialogue um, will be facilitated and that future generations will experience a peace that was written for them through such collective actions as this race. Jesus' role as the shepherd caring for his sheep embodies daily acts of courage and sacrifice, laying down his life so that we may live ours in its fullness and help others to do the same. May we each work creatively and nonviolently towards dismantling the walls we face. And may we stand in solidarity alongside those who face such walls and help tear them down. As fellow human beings, our brothers and sisters' pain is also our pain to address. The story is not over yet. Hello friends, have you ever had a time when someone has your best interests, gives you advice, and you try to go a different way and you don't succeed? In John 10, Jesus spoke in parables to grab people's attention, but sometimes they didn't understand. After reading this passage many times, I have come to find that Jesus is the Good Shepherd. We are the sheep in which whom Jesus is trying to lead in the right path. He is trying to keep our attention on what is right, healthy, good, versus what others say we must do. 
We are all well known by Jesus, just like a newborn baby would recognize their mother's voice from across the room. Jesus, is, Jesus knew us before we were formed in our mother's wombs. According to Healthline.com, babies hear their first sounds at 18, 18 weeks into the pregnancy. By 24 weeks, their ears begin to develop rapidly and their sensitivity to sound will improve even more as the weeks go by. According to Parenting.com, a mother's voice has a soothing effect on the baby. It is so soothing that the baby's heart rate slows down slightly when other the mother is speaking just to hear her voice. If we listen closely, we must if we listen closely, we would be able to hear the voice of our Father, Jesus Christ. We must know our Father's voice and trust him. He is going to lead us in the right path. Even as a teenager, hearing the sound of both my parents' voice makes me feel comfortable and confident in whatever I do. I feel known when our ANC commissioner, Ms. Sandra Phillip Gilbert, asks our family to help with things going on in our neighborhood, or when we go to Rosedale Pool and the security guard recognizes our family, or when I am asked to lead the Kid City Advent Bake Sale when there are many older people that could have been asked. I am 13 and Kid City only goes to age 12. Right now, we do not have a teen ministry, but I am pushing for it. However, I felt known and seen when I was asked to go on the retreat as a junior counselor. There was a very intentional space created for me, and I got to co-lead a session with Tommy O'Keefe. We talked about the Good Shepherd and how he is the bread of life. John 10 talks about the Good Shepherd and how Jesus loves us, cares for us, knows us, and pays attention to us. The Good Shepherd leads with a rod and a staff. The rod is used to comfort his sheep, and the staff is used to guide his sheep. The Good Shepherd is also patient with us even when we decide to make bad choices. My parents are like the Good Shepherd when they have to correct me, which is always out of love, and how they comfort me when I went to Scotland to compete at the World Karate Championship, their support and words were comforting and made me feel extremely grateful for them. I also felt a sense of love when when other children from our neighborhood remember our name. It makes me feel noticed and remembered. John 10, 11 says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. The Good Shepherd loves us and died on the cross for us. He knew we would mess up, and by dying on the cross for us, he sacrificed all he had. He wants us to live an eternal life. The Good Shepherd knows his flock. In verse 16 of John 10, the Bible says, I have other sheep. They are not in the sheepfold. We must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. To this, this means to me that the Good Shepherd is relational and all about community. We are basically the only white kids in our neighborhood on the street of Rosedale, and it's easy to feel unaccepted or being stereotyped by my community. However, I am more comfortable as I meet new people and other kids come to our house that don't look like me or have the same background. I love community lunch. Community lunch happens one Sunday each month. Our church shares a meal with people we normally don't share meals with, whether it's sitting with Mr. JR having a roast session, <laughs> or seeing people like Miss Kathy and Miss Marissa pray over someone in a corner. It makes me feel motivated to enjoy life and makes me feel like this is what real community is. 
I believe my community is Jesus's day modern flock. He uses people to share his love. I'm doing my best to move towards what is right, healthy, and good while honoring Jesus. Thank you. It's a tough act to follow, man, okay. Um, so when I was uh, reading the scripture, the verse that really stood out to me is verse three. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice and call his own sheep by name and leads them out. Um, and it, it reminded me of uh, like four or five years ago when I was looking for a church home uh, and I found Christ City. And I was so, I connected right away with the message and the sermon. I've been looking for help, better understanding my shepherd, better understanding his voice and where he was leading me to go. I, I, I wanted help with that and I felt like I found it here in Christ City and, and the sermons, would, would, I would leave feeling challenged intellectually and emotionally and spiritually. Um, and also, it's like a couple blocks from my house and I was tired of looking <laughs> for other places. So it's like, real talk. Uh, so, uh, but I loved it and I was happy, but there was something, there was a little bit of a distance for me. And I think that part of that distance was born out of, uh, I was kind of in two places in my life at that time. I was trying to get closer with Christ, trying to get closer with God, but also I was doing all this work in social justice related to my race. And I loved it and I was passionate about it, but it felt like I shouldn't be bringing that to church because it feels like in church we're called to be a flock. And, and, and you were called to kind of blend in, and it felt like if I were to bring up things related to my race, um, that that would be perceived as being divisive or, um, or like a little inappropriate. So I tried to keep it pretty separate. And um, as time went on though, especially as my social justice related work kind of ramped up, it was getting harder for me to keep them so separate, and I had these questions about where what God has to say about some of the issues that I was seeing and about some of the questions that I just had internally. Like I would think about, um, I would think about my brother, he's a nerd, and uh, his dream in life since he was like born basically is to meet a woman at the grocery store and fall in love. So annoying. So he orchestrates all these situations where he like meets the girl somewhere else, but then like takes her to the grocery store and tries to say like we fell in love at the grocery store. And uh, and he's six four and he's got a big beard. And when he started growing it, he was like, um, Nicole, I don't know if you know this, but girls really like tall guys with beards. Uh, and it's, it's it's ridiculous. And um, and his name is Dante, and he gets pulled over a lot, uh, a lot. And when he was a kid, my dad did what you do. He taught him, you, you're going to get pulled over a lot. Uh, my dad served, so we all have military ID. So he gave him, he said, anytime you get pulled over, you show them your license and you show them your military ID. And it helps, it de-escalates situations, uh, but it still happens. So when I'm thinking about praying about this, do I pray that when he gets pulled over, God keeps him safe? Or do I pray that he stops getting pulled over? Uh, which one is God more likely to do in 2018? And then I think about, I think about my name. It's Nicole Hill, Nicole with an H. And I really like it. In grade school, we, uh, you know, you had like that straight line and the dotted line and the straight line. How you learn how to write? And my name, the letters in my name, touch almost all the lines. And I felt like that made me better than other kids. <laughs> I was like, I have a very tall name. Um, I love it. And my, I come from the hills. And um, and and we don't know much about our history. Uh, we know. We go as far back, really, as my grandfather, but we do know 
a little about my grandfather's grandfather. We know two things about him. Uh, one is that he was owned by another human being, and the other is that that human being's name was Hill. And so I wonder what I should do about that. Uh, and I think about maybe, maybe I go on the journey to find my family name. So I go somewhere in the south, I find the hills, not my hills, the other hills, and, um, and, and they'll say, let me tell you about the hills. I don't want to know about the hills. I want to know about their property. So maybe they'll give me their property ledger and it'll be alphabetized and I'll find how many acres of land he owned and how many horses he had and then I'll get to the S's and maybe I'll find my real name. That seems devastating. I don't want to, I'm not interested in doing that. Uh, so then what should I do? Should I just accept my name? Should I just change it? If I marry somebody, should I get rid of it? And these questions, it feels like I shouldn't bring them to church because it feels a little bit like we're all sheep, we're in the flock, and I'm like, hey, sheep, my coat's black. I think my experience might be a little different than yours. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, this one Sunday, I, uh, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I was skipping church because it was very windy outside. I'm deeply committed. <laughs> I am deeply committed, but it was very, very windy. And I was listening to NPR to make up for it. I was listening to this sermon about these, uh, these this group of women from across faith traditions were talking about um, the, the role of women in church. And they, one of the women was saying, you know, we were created in God's image, all of us, even women. So that means one of the many unknowable, unnameable faces of God is the face of a woman. And I, when I heard that, I remember I like sat up in bed like I was in a cartoon, and I thought, does that mean that one of the unknowable, unnameable faces of God is a black person? Uh, and if, if it is, then should I be talking about this more? Should I not be trying to hide this when I'm a part of a flock? And, um, and the reason that this verse reminded me of it is because I, the part in the verse where it says the he calls his own sheep by name. That stuck with me because I kept thinking, why would you name a bunch of sheep? If you're the shepherd, you say like, sheep assemble. And then they just like, <laughs> do what you tell them to do. What do you need to call them by name for? And, and so when I was reading about this, other people's interpretation of the scripture, uh, they talked a lot about how shepherds did, how they really did name their sheep. And they named them by distinguishing characteristics. And so it brought me right back to this time because I'm so proud to be part of this flock and I'm so proud of the ways that we all have a similar walk with Christ, but I've got some distinguishing characteristics and he's given them to me and they're not meant to be divisive. They're reflections of his face and of his love and his unknowable plan and of his glory. And, and so I'm proud of that and, and, and there have been spaces in church where I've been able, I have an amazing small group and, uh, and so I'm able to bring all of myself to that small group and I'm so grateful for it. And then there are spaces where I'm able to talk with people who have a similar walk to me, who have similar coats to mine and we're able to pray for each other in this really specific way. They learn that I have a brother and they know immediately what to pray for and I don't know if you've ever had anybody pray for you very specifically, um, but it is an overwhelming and awe-inspiring experience. And so I'm grateful. So what this verse really made me think about is um, just my gratitude of being a part of a flock like this, um, but also my gratitude at following a shepherd who calls his sheep by their name.
church, I believe we've heard uh, words today. They have reflected on the passage out of John 10, I am the good shepherd. Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Our prayer coming into this morning is that as um, those within our church share their reflections of what it means to hear well the voice of the shepherd, that you too would hear the voice of the shepherd. This hasn't been performance, but it's been a stirring, a reflection with God's word. The good shepherd speaks to us in uh, many ways through his spirit, through his word, and through one another. And so our, our prayer has been that as you hear these stories, that your stories of the ways that the thief comes to us, not as an enemy that we see far away, but sometimes through those that are very close to us. That, that as you hear stories of what it means to listen to the shepherd in the midst of oppression, as you hear the shepherd, even from the youngest among us, and that reminds us that the shepherd will speak through anyone whom the shepherd chooses. And as you hear from the shepherd that, um, that all of us are created in God's image and that there's a specific and unique way that he speaks to us because of that. Our prayer is that as you have listened, that the spirit has spoken to you and that you have heard the voice of the shepherd and heard him call your name and have heard him say, come to me. You're not so far gone. Come to me. Let me pray for us as we continue to worship and reflect on what it means to listen well to the shepherd who knows our name and who calls us by that name. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ways that you've spoken uh, to us this morning. You've spoken to us through a number of different voices. They've all been different and unique, but there's been a consistency and a thread to them. They've all pointed us towards the one in whom our hope hangs. Spirit, I pray that we will have listened well, that there would have been something in what was said, whether it was in poetry or prose, God, that there would have been something in what was said that unearthed in us an ache Something that, that helped us connect with the God who calls our name, who formed us and who fashioned us, and who finds us when we get lost. God, I pray that, uh, that your spirit would continue to move in us, move in our midst, move in this, in this gathering, in this congregation, God, and that you would stir in us the reminder. Maybe it's not a reminder, maybe it's a hearing of the first time that you call us by name. that you don't address us as generic. God, I pray that, um, that we would say yes to you in whatever areas of our life and whatever areas of our living that need to be surrendered over to you and say, good shepherd, I, we need to be shepherded here. We need your voice to encourage or to challenge or to comfort or to correct us in some way. Oh, Spirit, I pray that you would move. 
I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. The good shepherd is like the sunrise. The good shepherd is like the stillness of a beautiful, of a brilliant sunset. The good shepherd is home. A weighted blanket, comforting, big, heavy, overwhelming, safe. The good shepherd is being a kid in bed at night, listening to your parents, cleaning downstairs. You are safe, warm, and people are watching out for you. The good shepherd is like my mom, who gives me everything. The good shepherd is my actual father. The good shepherd is a good parent, like Jack Pearson. Kind, forgiving, loving, encouraging, empowering. The good shepherd is a trellis on which to grow. The good shepherd is a fervent beekeeper. The good shepherd is like a crackling fire, warm, inviting, yet powerful. Approachable, but I cannot touch. The good shepherd is like the scout leader who makes sure everyone is hiking with the group. The good shepherd is like the ocean. He brings me place to place. He supports my boat, my life. His water breaks stone. His water gives life. He connects all continents, all people. He is my escape. He is my release. The good shepherd is a lighthouse, warning the sheep away from dangers, even as they drift or are drawn to the cliffs and rocks. The good shepherd is my north star, providing guidance and illuminating my darkest night. The good shepherd is like a conductor of an orchestra, giving our cues, giving our, giving our cues holding the music at his tempo. The good shepherd is like a conductor of electricity, where the energy passes through and distributes among us in every direction, precisely controlled. The good shepherd is like Gandalf, a wise and protective guide. The good shepherd is like someone who welcomes refugees at the borders. Syrians and Yemenis in Europe, Central Americans in the US, and Venezuelans in Colombia. The good shepherd is like an amazing safety net. The good shepherd is a search and rescue team member who will clear all the rubble, crushing you and doesn't leave you. The good shepherd is like a second grade teacher, spending time with the one student who doesn't understand to make sure they don't fall behind. The good shepherd is the friend I keep saying I'll call next week. The good shepherd is like a mirror. The good shepherd is like an art appraiser who finds a painting of great worth at a garage sale. The good shepherd is like nothing I've ever known before. Go in peace.